Well, good morning. Thank you guys for being part of today. Um, how about that flute, huh? Was that, 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 that? Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you, Amber, for, for opening yourself up. I mean, who knew that when she had to choose an instrument in middle school, you know, you have to pick one out, and you go through all those years of band in high school, that she would one day be playing it up front um, for the glory of God. Isn't that, isn't that really, isn't really cool? So how God takes things in the past and just kind of brings them up for today. So dust off your French horns and your trumpets and uh, <laughs> come on up, okay? It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. Hey, how many of us have ever made stupid choices in our lives, bad decisions, and it kind of came back and it hit us? Any of us? Uh, hands up. <laughs> Flat out goofed, it was just your fault. Yeah. If you never have blown it, you can leave us normal people alone, okay? And just, you can just go, go away. Because that's what we're going to spend a few minutes talking about is when you've blown it, when you've messed up, how do you come back from, from that? How do you make the best out of something that's really bad? Would you take a second and uh, would you pray with me? So, Lord, thank you now for the moments we have. Thank you for this people here and. God, may, may we draw close to you. Give me the right words to share now in Jesus' name. Amen. The series we're in is called Facing My Future, and we started out in the new year because that's when we kind of say new year, new stuff, things are coming up all new, and, and so kind of there is a new future for each one of us every time it seems like the calendar turns. And also we as a church are facing a lot of new things that are, that are going to be happening and are happening even now. I never want this place to get into a routine. Um, when the word routine, you can come out of it with the word rut, and I never want us to get into a rut. And so things are always going to be changing here, and, and, and I, I like that a lot. And, and to help us as we're going through this whole kind of future and future changes in, in your life and even in the church, um, we're going through uh, God's Word, the Bible, and specifically we're looking at a book in the Bible called the book of Joshua. Joshua is all about new, new things. They're entering into a new land, and they have new opportunity, and they have new chances. Just kind of a, a, a way to start new and to get things moving and rolling. Now, Joshua is in the Old Testament, and, and since it's in the Old Testament, it is how God revealed himself, who he is, and what he's like through the nation of Israel. Whenever you read in the Old Testament, you are going to be seeing how God is revealing his essence, his character, his nature, who he is, what he's like, what he does through the nation of, of Israel. And that's why sometimes we have a little trouble getting into it. It's like, I don't understand why is Israel mentioned so much. Because God said, I'm going to work through you guys. And I'm going to show everybody who I am and what I'm like. In the New Testament, it's different. It's revealed fully in Jesus Christ. And so it's now focuses, turn its attention now to Jesus himself. All the promises of the Old Testament are there. So Joshua's been in the Old Testament. So keep that in mind as you're reading through that. Joshua is about a guy named, guess who? Joshua, very good, okay, you guys are good. And, and what he did is he led the two million plus Israelites from the wilderness into the promised land. Now, Moses was the guy who took them from Egypt into the very edge or into the very cusp of, of entering into the promised land. Jos Joshua is the guy who's going to take them across the river and into the land. I love maps, and so I, I, I put these maps together, and I hope they kind of help you. This is where that little blue area on the right side is where they were camped as the book of the Joshua starts, and they're able to cross over. They crossed over now by a miracle that God did in, in parting the Jordan River, and they entered in. Now, now 
there's a bunch of fortified cities that are spread throughout the land, and if they're going to take that whole land there, they've got to take out these cities. They gotta, they've got to conquer them. They've taken out Jericho. We looked at that a, a couple weeks ago. And last week, Pastor Len talked to us about how they took out the city of Ai. Now, when you look at that, now they've got quite a good toehold or a foothold into the center of the country, center of the nation. They now kind of have a bridgehead that's been established as they're beginning to divide the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdoms apart. A strategic move and a brilliant move and a good one that they made. And so now they have that wedge into the central hill country, and this is where we're going to start, okay? It said, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, and i got to go back to the map for just a quick second, okay? Um, that bigger, brighter uh, dot right there is Gibeon. Gibeon had heard that, that Jericho had gotten flattened, and they had heard that Ai had gotten whipped, and as you realize, they're getting pretty close to getting, getting knocked off themselves. So they're getting a little bit desperate on what they're going to do because their number is coming up. It says, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to de- deception to save themselves. No doubt, they've got to do something. And here's their plan. It's pretty cool. So they sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn-out, worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes. And the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. By the way, um, Gibeon is only about 20 miles away, okay, to get kind of perspective here. They came, from, they came to make a peace treaty. Any of you watch the Academy Awards? Any of you guys watch the Oscars, Academy Awards and stuff? Yeah, why? Why do you do that? So, um, I hate that stuff. It's actors congratulating themselves, so it doesn't do anything for me. Well, these guys are actors trying to save themselves. You know, this is best supporting actor in a desperate situation. That's the category right here. And I'm going to read a bit. Okay, it says the Israelites replied, How do we know you don't live nearby? For if you do, we can't make a treaty with you. They replied, we're your servants. Well, who are you? Joshua demanded. Where do you come from? They answered, your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and all he did in Egypt. We've also heard what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River. So our elders and all our people instructed us, take supplies for a long journey Go meet with the people of Israel and tell them, we are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. Now, they're going to be on the edge of kind of overplaying their hand on this one. It says, this bread was hot from the ovens when we left our home. But now, as you can see, it's dry and moldy. These wineskins were filled new when we were new when we filled them. But now they're old and split open. And our clothing and sandals are worn out from our very long journey. So the Israelites examined their food. And this is the tense moment. This is the point. I mean, this is it right now. It's real tense. You know, and they're all holding their breath. And they looked at their bread, and it's three weeks old. And they've looked at their sandals, and they're pretty beat up. And they, oh, you know, okay, they've been on the road for, for a while. They did their investigation pretty well. So the Israelites examined their food. They did not consult the Lord. What happens next? Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety. And the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. They made a treaty, but three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually lived nearby. 
uh-oh, <laughs> you know, oops. If you were to do a failure analysis on this thing, um, at what point did they goof up? You know, where did they, they blow it? Well, you saw it. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. There it is. I mean, they didn't, they didn't consult God. Now, our task when we read a, a story in a situation like this, is God not working, is really to see what this can say to us even today and how does that touch my life and how does that affect that situation that happened a couple thousand years ago affect, affect me. And it deals with this, and it's a fairly simple principle. God wants to be involved in every detail of my life. And, and the takeaway is, okay, God, I shouldn't consult with you on everything. That's a good point. Now let's move on. Let's not. Because that brings up some questions that I would have and maybe you would have about the decisions we make and God's guiding us and common sense and prayer and how do those things work together in the, in the day-to-day, every day. You put on clothes today. I'm glad you did, by the way. I'm glad you, you did. Did you consult God on that one? Did you say as you open up your closet, God, what should I wear today? You know, oh, show me in thine divine omniscience those clothes which I shall put on my body. Of course not. You just put on whatever looked clean. I mean, that's what you did. I mean, what's the point of, God, of bringing God into that? Does God even care? And, and I want you to go down this trail with me a little bit because there's a, a lot of this life in Christ that's in here. And it's taking steps a little bit beyond. Like, like, what things do I need to pray about? And what things can I just decide on my, on my, my own? Um, this, this past week, I was talked into going to The Habit. Have you ever been to The Habit Burger Place? Habit Burger, Burger Place? Yeah, yeah, I've never been there. I was told um, I'm supposed to make a comparison between The Habit and In-N-Out, you know, to compare them both. And, and so I'd never been there before, so I, I, I went there, and, and they, have, they have a menu. And, you know, since I've never been there, you know, I, I, I looked at the whole menu. Well, what do I order? Should I consult God on that? I mean, if I'm supposed to involve God in every single part of my life, do I need to consult God on that? You know, what would, what would God say, you know, in that one? Now, I know what God would say. God would have said, go to In-N-Out. That's what he would have said. Okay. I put on a shirt today, and you're all thankful for that, by the way. I know you are. Should I have consulted God on that? Maybe God would have said, no, don't, don't wear this one. You put on the brown one. You should be putting on the brown one. So am I standing up here, sitting up here out of God's will? How does, how does that work? And, and I think for them, and sometimes for us too, they have their God life, you know, here. And, and they also have their common sense life. And I need God for the big stuff, the God life that I can't handle. I got this one, God, you know. But, but since I can't handle that one, then, then you'll need to take this one. And what happens is, we don't know where we draw the line. I mean, where do we draw the line in this whole God life versus my own life, common sense life? Changing jobs? Yeah, you should probably go to God for that one. How about, how about a relationship issue? Yeah, you need to talk to God about that. Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi? Nah, God, you don't need to be part of that. Do I watch a movie or do I watch the news? Which car do I buy? Ooh, that one's kind of on the line. You, you, you know? And, and, and the issue really is not the decision they made or how much time did they pray about it. That's really not the issue. The issue is this. What they did, they did alone. What they did, the decision they made, the action they took, 
the attitude they brought into this, they did it alone. Behind it kind of all is an attitude of, I got this. You know, this is a no-brainer, and God, I'll reserve you for that big stuff in my life. And all of a sudden, you understand how we begin to start categorizing God and his whole deal? It's not really about prayer. It's involving God in every single part of my whole life. And it's about God's personal, everyday connection with you and me and everything. And, and this is where we need to go. Big popular verse in the Bible, and I love this verse, and you should too, and you should underline it, and maybe you've memorized it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. I mean, that's a, that's a, great, that's a great thing. Well, how does that work? I mean, how does that work? I was at Costco the other week, and I don't know if I love Costco or I hate Costco. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know. Sometimes I love it, and sometimes I absolutely, absolutely hate it. But anyway, if, if you go to Costco, you know, the, the local Costco, you walk in, and, and when you walk in the entrance, the first thing you see is what, guys? What do you see? The TVs, right? You see the TVs, the big TVs. It's there to suck guys in, you know. Ooh, ah, you know, there's TV there. So, so we walk in. And, 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 and since it was right before Super Bowl, they had a lot of TVs, a whole lot of TVs. All, they're, 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 all, they're all there. Boxes and boxes of different TVs. They had big screens. They had 4K. They had smart TVs. They had TVs with lots of megapixels and kilowatts and, you know, Big BTUs, all those kinds of stuff. They're all there. All those TVs, they're all there. And, 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 and let's suppose you go in and you want to buy one. And they're on sale. You know, it's Costco. You know, they're on, they're on sale. And so you go in to buy the biggest that will fit on your wall. Ooh, yeah. You know, big TV that you want to put on your wall right there. And, and, and what you do is because you know you're going to get one on the outside, you, you get one of those, the big carts, you know, the big, the big carts, the one that always has a wobbly wheel. You know, it's always going there. You get one of those. And you wheel that baby in. And, and, and you've already figured out, you figure out the model, and, and they have 10 boxes of those on the floor, you know, all stacked, you know, all there, you know, all, all, all lined up there. And they have, they have 10 boxes of those, and, and you're looking at that, and you, you, you have to ask yourself the question, well, which one do I take? Which one? You know, which box? Because you know there's one that's probably defective, right? I mean, it's always the case. One of those is probably defective. And somebody once told you never buy the one in front, okay, because that one may have been returned. So you're not going to take that one, all right? The second one, as you look at it, well, it looks like the tape has been cut and retaped. So you're not going to touch that one. And, and then the third one back has a crease in it. You know, there's a little crease in the corner. Like that it looks like the, the box may have been damaged a little bit. And, and so you take the fourth one back. Do you ever do that? Do you ever do that kind of stuff? You know, I'm not going to take the top one. I'm going to take this one. You take the fourth one back, and you load it on the cart, and, and you go, you have to buy something else because you can never buy one thing at Costco. You just can't. It just... <laughs> It's against the law, so you can't do that. And so, you know, you, you wheel through the, the, you know, you wheel through the store, and you, and, and you get home with your TV, and the adrenaline's pumping, you know, and, and you open it up, and you're pulling all that out, and, and the one you bought ends up being the one with a power cord missing, you know. It's like, you think, oh, I know it, you know. I should have prayed about it. You know, I should have prayed about it, you know. Now, suppose you had prayed about it. You know, because Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. And suppose you, you, you would have prayed about it. Where's God going to get involved in this? Is he going to say, don't take the fourth TV? <laughs> you know, my hand's going to move to the fifth TV. Is that how this kind of stuff works? Here's how it works. 
God, do I take the third TV or the fourth? And God who works within will be prodding you not with which box to take, but with something that's going on a whole lot deeper. Like, why are you even buying this? Are you buying it to impress others? Are you buying it because you think you deserve it? Are you buying it because everybody's getting one? God will prompt you with, don't I already spend too much time in front of this thing anyway? Or is this the best use of God's money? Or is there someone who could be helped by the chunk of change I'm just going to be throwing down at Costco today? Do you understand how God's spirit worked within, how God works within? And you trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. There's a movement of God within. And sometimes the answer will be go for it. Sometimes it's a radical adjustment inside because God is living and active within us and works within our intentions and within our thoughts. Now today it's not the divine revelation that they needed, Joshua needed. Today it's presence of the Holy Spirit within that moves us. And I guess this is where life that Jesus gives, a relationship with God, intertwines with us and reshapes us and reshapes our values when, all the time, where, before, always those times. Does God really care about the shirt I'm wearing? Absolutely he does. Well, why? Why? Because if I wore this to show off my incredibly great taste in clothes, there's something wrong going on on the inside of me. Do you follow that? Do you understand how that works? To try and impress you with my style, of course God cares about that. To make you think I'm really cool. All this is moved and changed and shaped by God working on the inside in my life with Jesus. So involve God in every single part of your life. Now, let's get away from Costco and from my really cool shirt for a second, okay? Where were we with Joshua? Oh, yeah. They messed up. Complications follow, as complications always do with stupid decisions. It says, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. He and his people became very afraid when they heard all this because Gibeon was a large town as large as the royal cities and larger than Ai, and the Gibeonite men were strong warriors. So King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings. Come and help me destroy Gibeon, he urged them, for they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. Map time, because this is what's going on here. Again, now you see we Gibeon's right there in the middle. And those are the five kings that are saying, we've got to take out Gibeon because they're now... Um, aligning themselves with Joshua and the Israelites. So five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack, and they moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. Okay, Gibeon's in trouble. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once. Save us. Help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. Now, the messengers are going to leave, scoot out, and get down into the valley to find Joshua. We'll get back to them in a few minutes. But again, understand for Joshua and the leaders, one bad thing is following another. The Gibeonites had tricked Joshua, had fooled him, made him look dumb, and had him sign a stupid treaty. 
Now the Gibeonites are in trouble. Like, oh, great. What do you do? Well, what do you naturally want to do? Well, they kind of hosed me. Let them suffer the consequences. That's their problem, not mine. I mean, let them pay. They mess with me. It, it serves them right. What would God say? The book of Psalms said this, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? It's a question. Who may live on your holy mountain? And then it answers it. It says, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks truth from their heart. Who keeps an oath, even when it hurts. Now, Joshua and the Israelites have every reason to say, forget it. They tricked us. It was an invalid deal. Let them suffer the consequences. But here's the principle. Um, trust God and do the next right thing and the next thing right. You trust God and you do the next right thing and you do it right. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic, and on that day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites. Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. It's called the Long Day of Joshua, and that's why you got to read the whole chapter for itself. It's really cool. God somehow either stopped the earth, stopped the sun, stopped light from going down or refracting this way or that way. God did something there. And what's really cool is they had to take out those kingdoms at some point in time. It probably would have taken them about three months to do it. It all happened in a day. God worked. Why? Because they did the next right thing. As inconvenient as it was, you do the next right thing and you do the next thing right. And that leads me to the last point because this is what helps. When you do that, God's people will bounce Boing, what I mean, bounce, it means you go down, you'll come back up, and you come back up strong. That's when the miracle begins to happen. Um, I sometimes think we just use the common sense in this life a little too much, and I'm all for common sense, believe me. But there is something called God sense and faith sense, where it may not be the wisest thing to do, to give this much money away to what God wants to do, it's not the wisest. It's not the common sense thing to do. No financial planner will tell you to give 10% of your money to God's work. That's crazy. That's too much in this place, in this, our economy today. God says, that's what I'm asking you to do. Or sometimes to forgive someone that's such a bad. Hold on to it. But God says you do that right. Gibeonites come with their old clothes. Common sense says trust them, and they do, and it messes up. Gibeonites are under attack. Common sense says stay home. They go, and God bounces things back. Now, there's, there's, there's one more group involved in this, or one more person. Um, and, and remember those messengers that, that were sent from Gibeon to go down and tell Joshua, we're under attack. You've got to help us. Let's just choose one, can we? Let's pick out one, because this is the work of God in the life of people. 
you get to camp, you get to Joshua's camp, and you think, what in the world are they going to say to us? They'll probably kill us or laugh. Well, you get there and you talk to Joshua, and all of a sudden they begin to pray, and then they pack up. Notice it says they chose their best warriors, their best warriors. They're going to give their best to the people that basically hose them over. And you say, I don't know this God, but I know he helps people keep their promise. And you see a pile of stones as you're leaving their camp, and you say, what are those? And they say, oh, when God poured part of the Jordan River, he pulled them out of the middle. And you say, I don't know their God, but I certainly know he can do miracles. And you march all night long, and you see their faithfulness and their commitment say there is something to their God that I want to know. And there's a sense of real and true here, and that may be where you are, what you're feeling. You maybe say there's a God who's real and true here. Maybe you have never said yes to God in that way. He's just been kind of a religion to you or out there, but he wants to be a God involved in every part, every single part of your life. And he will look after you because he has your best interest always at heart. Now is our moment to just kind of pull this all together into our own lives. And I'm going to invite you to just bow with me.